Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host as always, and welcome to the show. We do this very frequently. But also don't forget that we do a Saturday night episode that is live at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time called Electrician Live. So hopefully you would join that over on electricianlive.com. Or if you want to chime in and ask questions or be a part of the show, then you can also come over to our live simulcast video. And that is on youtube.com forward slash master the NEC. All one word there. So we thank you for joining again another month in a row. Uh, June, we topped over 300,000 unique listens. Uh, over on our various platforms for our podcast. So we thank you again for that and for sharing it. Uh, We truly do appreciate you. Um, And today's episode is sponsored by um, electricianpride.com. So I will go on and run that commercial for you, get that out of the way. Again, for all of your electrical pride needs like uh, mugs, everything that has our unique graphics that also have, you know, electrician on it or electrical engineer or inspector or and some unique ones over there. So let me run that commercial and we'll get right into the episode. Today's show is sponsored by electricianpride.com. Your one-stop shop for electrician-specific t-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, mugs, die-cut stickers, leggings, and so much more. Featuring unique designs for electricians, journeymen and master electricians as well as electrical engineers and electrical inspectors for more information on all the products that are available visit us at www.electricianpride.com today all right so again jump on over to electricianpride.com show your pride we have master electrician journeyman electricians engineer inspector whatever you want all kinds of unique graphics and designs that you can utilize uh, over there as well. Okay, so, and also, I should also mention that we have a donation program going on. If you donate $25 to the program to help us continue with this free content, you'll get our unique uh, mini screwdriver with eight different tips and heads in it. Just venture over to masterthenec.com. Down at the bottom, you'll see the ability to donate and help our program, but you will also get that sent to you for free uh, as a donation. So I appreciate that. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about ampacity today on this episode because I get an awful lot of questions about ampacity. And while there was some changes in the 2020 edition of the National Electrical Code, it didn't change the intent. It just kind of moved things around a little bit. So in the 2017 code, you probably are familiar, and of course in the 2014 as well, was that the ampacity tables were in 31015B16. And so there was a change for the 2020 code to kind of harmonize that back to matching the various sub 
divisions and subparts of the actual code reference. So, uh, long story short, 31015B16 was moved back to 31016 as it was many years ago. And, of course, I can't remember the justification for why it changed, but now it's back to the way it was. And a lot of the work that was done in Chapter 3 came from some individuals on Code Panel 6 who you know, took on the task of restructuring and kind of bringing Chapter 3, most notably Article 310, back to where it needed to be, easier to understand, more logical flow. And then it also took everything from 310.60, which was medium voltage, duct bank and all that, and moved it into 311. So it created a new article. So it kind of cleaned it up a little bit. But as a result, we had some movements of certain tables and code references that kind of got joggled around a little bit. Uh, so a lot, some of the things that were 31015A, for example, or 31015B got moved over 31014A. And, and so it kind of moved around a little bit, but nothing really changed as far as the intent. Okay, So you don't have to get lost in the semantics of, of that. It's just kind of moved around a little bit. So when we're talking ampacity, I get an awful lot of questions from people because it seems to be, one of the struggles uh, that people have is sizing conductors, dealing with ampacity and adjustment and corrections and things like that. And I have a video on that called Derating Demystified. If you go over into our YouTube channel, you can find it. You might have to go to the archive, which is the upper right, where you can look at uh, all the older episodes because, you know, YouTube kind of cycles it out and it will only post the last so many videos that were updated. But they're there. I've got hundreds of them. So you can find them. Just go search for it. Or you can look in the playlists, and usually I move them into the playlists, so like calculations and uh, NEC. So again, search through the playlists. It makes it a little easier to be able to maneuver things with YouTube. Um, so ampacities. Now, there's two ways to determine ampacity for a conductor. Now, taking corrections and adjustments away from the picture and just talking about the ampacity of a conductor itself uh, is very limited to the insulation type. And so when you notice at 31016, of course, we'll talk about the 2020 edition references here in this episode. Uh, at 31016, up at the top of the table, it gives you the different insulation types. And of course, if you're like me, you're always saying, well, I want to learn more about the different insulation types. I want to get a better understanding of insulation types. Well, that, that's not a difficult thing to do. If you want to learn it, all you have to go is to 310.4. And it used to be 310.104, but it's 310.4. And you can see the different letter types and the different types of insulations, the covering, their, their thicknesses of insulation, which typically uh, the thickness of an insulation is covered by the UL standard for that product. Uh, for example, THHN is under UL83. So it'll tell you the thicknesses based on the size of the conductive medium. That's the copper or the aluminum. And it'll have a subsequent thickness of insulation Again, because obviously the bigger the conductor, the more current it's going to pull, the more heat it will generate, and the insulation needs to get thicker. Okay, It needs to protect that conductor. Uh, and that's what, the, that's what the impacities and all are about. Uh, it's, um, it's all about the conductor and the longevity of the conductor. And in fact, overcurrent protective devices are, are more about protecting the conductor, which is, again, the, the lifeblood of an electrical system, uh, it's protect them uh, from overheating, short circuit, and ground fault conditions. Um, but at the end of the day, it might protect equipment that's that's connected to it. Obviously, they have their own rules, and they'll tell you the maximum overcurrent device. But at the end of the day, we still have to protect the conductors. 
So when choosing a conductor size and dealing with ampacity, you have two choices. You can use the standard table that's in the National Electrical Code and follow the parameters of that table, 30 degrees Celsius, 86 degrees Fahrenheit. If it deviates in temperature from those parameters, then you have to go and do some type of change. And so when we talk about changes, what we're talking about is if you have to do an adjustment factor when you're dealing with more than three current current conductors, or you have to deal with an ambient correction factor when you're dealing with an ambient temperature that may deviate from what's in the standard table. In other words, below 30 degrees C or above 30 degrees C. You're going to have to do something because heat, for example, can have an effect on the current carrying ability of a conductor. Now, how does it do that? Well, if you think about the conductor when there's load on it, it generates heat. And if it's in close proximity to other conductors that are generating heat, then the heat will rise within that annular space or within that grouping of conductors. And what you're trying to do is not get the heat to rise to the point where it exceeds the rating of the insulation, which in this case, let's say it's 90-degree rated insulation. What you don't want is an ambient temperature that is mutual contribution from other conductors or just the ambient location of where this conductor is installed to get to the point where even though the conductor is pulling current and it's generating heat, now you couple that with ambient heat, and the next thing you know, you have an insulation that's not being subjected to the maximum of 90 degrees C. It is now above 90 degree, and what happens? The insulation will start to break down. Once the insulation starts to break down, then you is a matter of time before the entire system just shuts down. And so, again, the lifeblood of the system is the wiring itself. And protecting that, that's why it's so vitally important to understand the concepts of adjustment and correction. Now, when it comes to ampasses, again, engineers have the ability to do something. So me and you, uh, everyday electricians, we're going to probably use the allowance in 310.14A1, which is to use the tables. And that's going to be the tables that are given to us in uh, 310.16, 310.17, 310.18, 310.19. We got these tables that we can utilize. And based on the insulation type and the parameters that are given, we know how to size something and use the rules in the code. However, there is a provision that says here in 310.14A1, if you're following along in your code book, that says tables or engineering supervision. Now, or is in there, and or is a very important word in the National Electrical Code, or an and, because if it had said tables and engineering uh, supervision, then what happens is you would have to compare one to the other. Uh, In this case, you can use the tables or an engineer under engineering supervision and design and probably doing a near McGrath calculation or probably today using a software like PowerCalc or something like that, where they will actually put in all the parameters that the conductor is facing, provided they know all this. Uh, That's why people use a table, because you don't always know all the factors. Okay, so it's a very conservative, safe, and we've been doing it for years, and systems are still in play, working effectively. But an engineer could choose engineering supervision and program all these parameters inside of a software. Uh, There is a formula given in the NEC as well, but that's generally what the softwares are based on because there's so many potential for error that most engineers that I know would not go through the calculated formula anymore. They use software. It's more accurate, and that's the smart way to go.
Okay. Um, it's kind of for us electrical geeks, we like to think it's just really good that we actually know how to calculate things uh, by hand. But let's be real. If we've got a software that will do it, it's all about time. It's all about convenience. We're going to use a calculator. And again, I strongly encourage once you get out in the field, use calculators that you can trust. In this case, engineers use software they can trust. Okay, so we're going to look at it real quick and kind of give you the parameters of how engineers can do this and what we should do as an electrical uh, installer. So 310.14A1, that's in your National Electrical Code 2020 edition, says tables or engineering supervision. So the or is important. It says ampacities for conductors shall be permitted to be determined by tables as provided in 310.15 or under engineering supervision as provided in 310.14B. So we have an A and we have a B. A is generally going to give us, you know, the, the telling us that, you know what, you can use these tables. It's permitted to do it or you're permitted to use engineering supervision. Now, let me give you an example. So if I were to go to 310.16 and I have an installation and I'm at 310.16 and I need a 10 gauge, let's say, and under the 75 degree range, and say it's, you know, it's uh, just, uh, I don't know, let's just say it's THHN, but we have terminal limitations uh, of 75 degree. So we're following 110.14C limitations. And we're not going to do any adjustment and correction so we can use the 90 because we could, right, because of the insulation being rated 90. But ultimately, we're limited to 75. And so since there's no adjustment and correction, we're just going to size for the conductor terminal limitation. So let's say we have a 10 gauge. It's good for 35 amps. Well, maybe we need 40 amps, but we don't want to jump up into an 8 gauge, which is good for 50 amps under 75 degrees C. So what happens is an engineer might do the design and look at the situation, and they can come up with an engineering uh, uh, recommendation, uh, engineering um, supervision. It says that, no, you can use a 10, and you can put 40 amperes on it. So what they're doing is they're, they would be ignoring what's in the conservative table, 31016, and making an engineering judgment. Now, here's the things that I tell engineers all the time, and I get tons of calls from engineers. Uh, they'll say, I want it to, it's okay. I feel it's okay for 40. Okay, okay. If your software says that and you followed the formula, there is a physical formula under 310.14b uh, that they can follow. And if they follow it, then they're owning it. In other words, it's theirs now. If, if something overheats or the insulation breaks down or starts to uh, plasticizer in a thermoplastic product starts to mitigate and dripping out of it or due to heat or long-term exposure, they have to own it because they're the ones that are deviating from a very conservative table that's in the National Electrical Code. A table, by the way, that 310.16, that has not changed for decades. Okay, Even if we add other insulation types to this, which we have, uh, the Z, ZW, things like that, we have not changed the ampacity values. So no study has been done beyond this. So we're, again, we're basing this insulation on historical data that it's okay. Uh, and so we're not changing anything. When an engineer does engineering uh, supervision, they're making the change to a conductor based on their research, and they have to own it. So I always tell engineers you can do that. The code provides for it. It's perfectly fine. But you need to own it and know that you've done all that you need to do. And there's some great softwares out there that will do this. But just remember that when an engineer does that, they own it. 
And uh, again, it's always okay for an electrical contractor to question the engineer on it in order to get it in writing or get it to be, you know, somehow documented that they're making that decision. Because what's going to happen is you have to be very careful because when an electrical inspector comes along and they start looking at things, uh, they might notice something, they might not, but they do, they're going to want to know, wait a minute, this is 40 amps on a 10, uh, and we're not talking motors, which is an allowance to do certain things, and in uh, HVAC, we're just talking general circuits. They might look at it and fail you or have a problem with it, and you have to be able to go back and say, well, under 310.14A1, we're utilizing 310.14B in the formula based on engineering supervision. And they have to accept that. Now, I get calls all the time from the electrical inspector saying, can they do that? Yes, they can. But it needs to be engineering supervision, and I would require it to be documented on the drawings, the blueprints, or whatever it would be, if they're going to deviate from the norm. Now, most of the engineers that I talk to, to be honest with you, uh, won't do that. They would just follow and just use the same rules that are NEC because, again, it's, uh, you know, some them don't have the real expensive softwares uh, or they don't want to do the formulas because, you know, you can make mistakes. And at the end of the day, these are published values in the NEC, so it just makes it easier to follow this and everybody stays on the same page and everything works great. Now, when we look at 310.14A1 as, a, um, as an electrician, I see that I have the option to either or, and we're going to stick with uh, using the tables. Now, notice that it makes reference to 310.15 uh, rather than 310.16. Well, it's because 310.15 covers all the parameters. And in the 310.15, that's what's going to give you the ability to use various ampacity tables. And so in here, it's going to make a direct correlation to 310.16, 310.17, 310.18, 310.9, whatever's necessary for the specific condition of use. It's also going to cover in there under 31015B, uh, again, the correction requirements for ambient temperatures. And then, of course, 31015C is going to talk about adjustment factors for the number of current carrying conductors when you have more than three. Not three, but more than three. Um, previously in the uh, 2017 code and prior, they were broken out in 31015B2A and B3A. So now it's just been... The B deals with the correction factors, and the C deals with adjustment factors, okay? And I always tell people, remember that is C, think of C as conductors. So that would be adjustment factors for when you have more than three, okay? However you want to remember it, it's now, and the other neat thing is it, it is really on one page of the NEC, so it's not difficult to, 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 to know where to go to get this information. It hasn't changed. It's still the same. It's just been relocated a little bit, and I think it flows a little better, to be honest with you. Um, now, the other big thing to remember is that there are two tables, and people ask me about this all the time. When it comes to the ambient temperature, there's a table B1 and a B2, uh, and you notice that one is 30 degrees C and one is 40 degrees C. This all correlates to the specific table that you're using. So you have some tables that you're going to use in here, like 31016 obviously uses 30 degrees C, right? But you have some other tables in here that do not. Uh, for example, if you look in the, uh, the new layout of 31016, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, you're going to notice that as you move down that the 30 degree C is 31016, right, and 31017. But when you get to 31018, 
1920, uh, in 21, you're dealing with a 40 degrees C. Okay, so you have to have the tables there. Of course, mostly me and you, as the electrician, for ambience, we're going to deal with 31015B1. And again, it, it's just, that's where we're going to spend most of our time as an electrician. Okay, so, um, so once you put all those parameters together, now, if you're looking at 310.14B and you're an engineer, it says engineering supervision. It says under engineering supervision, conductor ampacities shall be permitted to be calculated by means of equation 31014B. And there's an equation here. And the equation has a lot of information that you have to take into consideration. Uh, and I think a lot of this, um, when they're going to do it, this is taking a lot of things into consideration that we're already going to do using the tables uh, with the ambience and the current carrier and all this kind of stuff. So if you look at it here, it has a bunch of different uh, formulas, uh, formula notes. And the problem with this is the engineer has to know all these things. Now, in a software, it's going to, you're, you're going to be able to plug in all these things. Okay. Um, the conductor's temperature in degrees, the ambient temperature in degrees, all this you're going to need to know because you needed to know that even if you use the tables, right? Because you got to use 31015B1 for an ambient, okay? So, and then 31015C for number of conductors, but you... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You get the idea, okay? Now, it also goes on and says you take the DC resistance, which we can get from Chapter 9, Table 8. Uh, then you can take the... AC resistance results from skin effect and proximity effect. Uh, all these things is a lot more work. And if you have a software that can bring it up, that's great. But the engineers have to know this, and they're not going to do this by hand. They're just not. So they're going to follow what's in 310.16, and that's typically what you run into. But a lot of people ask those questions, so I figured it was good to uh, just to mention it. Uh, another question that people ask me all the time is about ampacity. Uh, dealing with the correction factors for above rooftops. Uh, and there was a change that took place, and again, it's been relocated for the 2020, um, is that you have an adder. And the adder is 33 degrees C or 6 degrees Fahrenheit that's added on top of, okay, on top of the outdoor temperature that's determined as being the ambient temperature. So you simply add this on top of it. And what does this apply to? This applies to raceways or cables that are exposed to direct sunlight on or above the rooftop, very critical, on or above the rooftop, where it is basically less than seven-eighths of an inch. So in the past, it used to be a table, and it gives you four different parameters, and it could go up pretty high. It didn't make sense uh, that the radiated heat wouldn't dissipate as you got further up. So this was changed, and now it's down, and again, it was changed in the 2017 code, uh, and again, it's just been removed here, uh, for the 2020 edition, but it's still the 7 8 or less. Now, typically, a Kindorf or some other sporting system is going to keep it above 7 8 of an inch, and if that's the case, you just deal with your ambient temperature like you normally would. Uh, whatever your ambients are, you can actually get that from ASHRAE, 
or Copper Development has a neat little uh, guide on how to determine the ambience in your area, uh, at least to get you a good start for the for the different raceways in your area and things like that. So go seek them out. Um, but they have a, a good resource for that. Uh, but a lot of people get that from the ASHRAE handbook as well. Um, so anyway, so you have this adder that you add on to the additional. But if it's above 7 eighths of an inch, you don't worry about it. Now, there is an exception that people ask me about a lot. And it says, well, I've got a raceway and it's sitting on the rooftop. Okay. And I'm going to be running XHHW-2 in it. And do I still have to apply the adder? And the, and the answer to that under the exception is absolutely not. And people ask me why. And let me explain it a little bit. Uh, whether I agree or disagree with it, let me explain it. That XHHW is a thermal set product. It is a cross-link polyethylene construction. Of course, it also under UL44, you have EPRs, you have other types of constructions uh, that are still considered thermal sets. But in this case, let's just talk the one that's referenced here, and that is XHHW-2, which is a cross-link polyethylene. The X represents cross-linking, two H's, high heat, W, wet location. Now, XHHW-2 by itself would only be rated for 75 degrees, C, because it's wet. And if you don't believe me, go to 31016 and look under the column 75, and you'll see XHHW there. The dash 2 is significantly important because anytime you see a dash 2, that tells you that a conductor can be utilized from the 90 degrees C for adjustment and correction purposes, what we've just been talking about. And that's really important because if I have conditions of use, three, more than three current current conductors, or I've got an ambient temperature that's going to change my opacity, I want to be able to apply the adjustment of corrections from a higher opacity value so that I've got a conductor at the end of the day that's actually worth anything. If I started from a lower value, it's going to end up being reduced anyway, and then I probably have a conductor that's not worth anything. They're not going to have to jump up in size. So, again, if you don't understand any of that, go watch my D-Rating Demystified video, and you'll get a better understanding of what I just said. Key takeaways from it is that heat is never a good thing for ampacity, and it violates the integrity of the insulation the closer that it gets to the rating of the insulation. So, in order to be able to compensate for that, we have to lower the current so that it compensates for the elevated heat. Now, with the rooftop being that it's cross-link polyethylene XHHW-2 in the exception, that tells us that thermoplastic insulation like THHN, THWN-2, that will melt. Whereas cross-link polyethylene will not melt. It will crystallize, but it is dramatically higher than what thermoplastics breakpoint would be. Now, that is for emergency situations only. Why? Because at the end of the day, XHHW-2 and THHN, THWN-2 are both rated 90 degrees C. So you still have to follow all the same rules, same adjustment and corrections, treat it the same. However, in a case where you might have an elevated ambient temperature that is unexpected, maybe that rare, 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 very hot day that wasn't an average ambient then you, chances are your insulation is going to survive with a cross-link polyethylene versus a thermoplastic. It doesn't mean that thermoplastics a, is an inferior product. It just means you have to know where to use it and where not to use it and have a better understanding of how to use it. But in this case, the exception is point blank saying XHHW-2 does not have to add the additional adder of 33 degrees C or 6 degrees Fahrenheit on top of the ambient calculation that you already have to do 
under 310.15b1. Okay, so it's just basically a get a, 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 a free pass when you're using X on top of the rooftop and you're going to be below seven eighth of an inch. So again, when I talk to people about design, I always tell people if you're going to be in a location where it's constantly submerged, if you're going to be in a location where it has high elevated ambient temperatures are expected, um, if there's a chance that you're going to have a, a rapid elevation in temperature in any location, then I always recommend going with the cross-link polyethylene. Okay, it's not as volatile to heat. Now, you still have to follow all the general rules, sizing, opacities, and temperature adjustments and corrections. You've got to follow the rules. But you have this built-in safety factor in the fact that, again, thermal set is a little more resilient, obviously, than thermoplastic when it comes to high elevant, elevated ambient temperatures. Okay? So it's just kind of one of those things. So I explain that to people. Uh, but again, dramatic change from the 2017 code because, um, I mean, from the 2014 code, we don't have the, the, the different layers, one, two, three, and four different height parameters table. That's all been gone. So now it's basically seven-eighths of an inch. Uh, if it's uh, less than seven-eighths of an inch, you're going to add additional temperatures onto whatever the ambient may be. So you're going to stack affect them. And if it's over seven-eighths uh, and higher, that you elevate that raceway or cable, then you just have to deal with the normal ambient. You're just good to go, and you follow those rules. Okay? Now, um, other than that, nothing's uh, dramatically changed too much in it. I will, I will say that 310, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, uh, you will notice that the conditions that are with the tables have now been removed, and they have their own code section now. Okay, so 31016 has its own section, which gives all the parameters, and that is the 60, 75, and 90 degree column. It's telling us about the 30 degrees Celsius, 86 degrees Fahrenheit, which used to be up at the very top of the table, and you'll notice that that's been removed. Why? Because you don't really need that in the table. You have the conditions of use now under their specific section, and that specific section is going to reference the table, and see how they correlate now? So 310.16 actually has a table, 310.16. Same with 310.17, 310.18, 310.19. So now they correspond, and it makes more, more sense, right, and how it flows. All right, so incidentally, that's kind of uh, everything that we want to cover today. Only other thing that I will remind people, if you're taking an exam, is you'll notice that table 310.15b1, it, everything's based on an actual multiplier, Okay, uh, uh, 1.15 or whatnot. And then you'll notice that if you're doing the uh, adjustment factors for more than three current current conductors, it's based on a percentage, which is 80%, 70%. So when you're doing multiplication uh, in all of that, I say you need to convert these into decimals. So, of course, the, point, the 80 would be 0. 0.8, 70 is 0.7, you know, things like that. So always remember to convert. In fact, I tell people all the time in your code book, take a pen. And just go down to the left side of all these and put a dot in front of all of these percentages with table uh, 310.15C1. And just remember that that's converted to decimals. Don't think that that's a 0.8 percentage, okay? But again, you might need to make that little note. But anything that can help you uh, understand a table a little bit better, then I'm all about that type of thing. All right, so that was just kind of a little thing when it comes to that. Now... Let's talk about one of the areas that seems to be really confusing for a lot of people, and that is 310.14A2. And it used to be 310.15B2. And this is what's called selection of ampacity. Now, what does it mean? Well, if I have a raceway and I have conductors in it, 
and I'm going through a certain area. And I have an ampacity of a conductor that didn't have any adjustment or corrections applied to it, wherever it was at. And now it's going through an area with high elevated heat. Then I have something that has to be done to these conductors. So you're going to get two different ampacities of a conductor because one, you had to apply adjustment and corrections and one you did not. Right. So you have to look at both of them and come up with an ampacity value based on the condition of use. So if you think of this as a raceway. If you look at the raceway, you'll have a portion of the raceway that is not subject to maybe some kind of uh, temperature uh, correction, right? But you might have another portion of the run that is subject to a temperature correction. Maybe it's running through a boiler room or something. So I have to look at that entire run as a big picture. And then I can break down the, the different components that have a different condition of use. And that's what this is talking about. So here's what it says. It says, uh, the general rule is, Selection of ampacity it says where more than one ampacity applies for a given length uh, circuit length, the lowest value shall be used. Okay, so let's say that I have a, a hundred foot run, and I've got a ten gauge. Let's say it's good for thirty amps, and that's what it would be in the certain portion of the run. And then it goes through a high elevated ambient temperature. And then it drops that ampacity down because I have to percentage. I have to do some multiplication on it. Again, because there's a contributing factor. Remember, heat is detrimental to current flow. Okay, But heat is a byproduct of current flow. So what happens is I'm going to have to adjust the amount of current that I pull on that conductor so that I don't raise that temperature up so it gets closer to that volatile point of the insulation's rating. So what do I do? You limit the amount of current to compensate. Whereas I could pull it in the area that wasn't affected, I didn't have this issue. But now I'm going through an area that does have ambient, amb elevated ambient temperatures, and now it changes the ampacity of that conductor. So we have to compare. So if that's the case, you're going to take the lower value because that's the more conservative value, and you want to protect at the lowest value. Okay. So the, the higher ampacity value is just a bonus, but you're protecting at the lowest value. However, there is an exception. And the exception has to do with, well, if there's a short portion of that run that is the elevated portion um, that's due to the elevated temperature or whatnot, then you can just ignore it. So here's what the code says. It says, where different ampacities apply to portions of a circuit, the higher ampacity shall be permitted to be used if the total portion of the circuit with the lower ampacity does not exceed the lesser of 10 feet or 10% of the total circuit. Okay, so let's use this as an example I just did. If I have a 100-foot run and I've got a 10-foot portion, okay, in this 100-foot run, which happens to be 10 feet or 10% of a 100-foot run, so this one just makes it easy to explain, that maybe I have a high elevated ambient through a portion of a 10-foot boiler room, and now that the ampacity was 30 amps, for the other portions, the 90 feet, but that 10 feet, it dropped down because I had to make an adjustment, uh, a correction, excuse me, for temperature, it dropped down to 25, let's just say. So now, under the general rule, my circuit's only rated for 25. However, in this case, since the lower value, the 25 amps uh, rating, is not more than 10 foot or 10%, the lesser of the two, in this case, it's all equal because it's a 100-foot run. I use that in my example for a reason then I can ignore that and just stick with the higher ampacity value, which was the 30 amps, and just ignore that 10-foot piece. 
Why is that? Because it's basically that tin foot is actually able to dissipate the heat using the, the actual conductor that's adjacent as basically drawing out the, the conductor's heat and dissipating it. Okay, So it acts like a heat sink, if you will. And so it's not going to be that big of a deal. Now, when you start getting over that, then it doesn't have the ability to dissipate out. And, of course, you could have a hot spot where your insulation can break down. So utilizing this exception, you need to know your run. You need to know. So 10 foot or 10%, and you have to take the lesser of the two. Now, if you're going for a lot greater run, it's 200 feet, for example. Well, if you go to it, then, you know, 10% of that, of 200 feet, is 20 feet. But you'll notice what it says. It says, does not exceed the lesser of 10 feet or 10%. Okay? So, in this case, we have to use the 10 feet. Okay? Because we have to use the lesser. Now, why do we make this rule like this? Because what if we had something that was less than 100 feet, then you would probably, the 10% is going to be the lesser than 10 feet, okay? So I want to take the lesser. So that's an example. So again, if it's, it's uh, 80 feet and 10% of that, okay, is, is going to basically cut it down, you're thinking, okay, that's my max, okay? I cannot use the 10 foot in that application because the 10% of 80 feet is going to be less than 10%. And so I use the lesser of the two. So that's why you have that rule in there. Now, it becomes very easy when you're dealing with 200 feet, 300 feet, because you're just going to stop at the 10 foot and look at that portion that's exposed to the higher degree of, of ambient temperatures or whatnot. Okay, so that's how you deal with that exception. Now, keep in mind, this exception is very important when it comes to certain aspects of the code where this can save your butt. Okay, because of dealing with thermal insulation and stuff like that, but you got to be careful because not all code wiring methods will allow you to use 310.14A2 exception. And it will tell you specifically whether or not you can utilize the exception. Okay, so again, it'll tell you point blank whether or not this is something that you can utilize or something you cannot utilize. Okay. So just keep that in mind. I'll give you an example. Uh, 334.80, dealing with ampacity for non-metallic sheet cable. It says when, you're, when more than two NM cables containing two or more current carrying conductors, and I'll remind you, a black and a white and a 14.2 are both current carrying conductors, by the way. Uh, without maintaining spacing between cables through same openings in wood framing that is to be sealed with thermal insulation, caulk, or sealing foam, it says... The ampacity of each conductor shall be adjusted in accordance with table 31015C1. And the provisions of 310.14A2 exception, which we've just been talking about, shall not apply. So again, if you're going through that top plate and you have this bundling and they're going through and you're going to seal it with thermal insulation, remember, people want to use this exception that's over in 310.14A2. They can't use it because of this direct reference from that specific wiring method saying you cannot use it. Now, people use it all the time for other aspects like 338. For example, 338 has the aspect of it, and it doesn't mention anything in here about not being able to use it. Okay, It just tells you that you can't utilize the application of um, excluding 334.80. So 334.80 doesn't help you because you're treating it like NMB, even though it's SE cable, but it doesn't preclude the ability to use 
the allowances in um, 314, uh, 310.14A2 exception. Okay, So there's just different areas. You just have to understand the code and read it and determine whether or not something's going to apply or going to let you be able to apply it or not so that you know whether or not you can apply the rules or not. Okay, So just kind of read it down, make sure you understand it, and if you're going to utilize this exception, just make sure that you check the wiring method for what you're working with first. Okay, Now, for EMTs, for rigids, for intermediate metal, all those type of things, I am okay to use 310.14A2 exception. I mean, that's what it's there for. If I'm running a raceway through a boiler room and each side of the wall is normal, but it's an elevated ambient just in the boiler room, if I meet the rules of 310.14A2 exception, then I can ignore that area where it's going to obviously reduce my ampacity because of the heat. Okay? I can ignore that if it meets all the rules. That's what that exception is all about. So, anyway... Kind of a good episode talking about all the different aspects of Ampacity. If you're an engineer, uh, use a software. But remember, if you change what's in the tables or what's in the NEC, then you own it. It's your responsibility to stand behind it. And I would do that uh, for liability's sake based on a software that's established. That's what I would utilize, give you something to hang your hat on. I don't think I would be calculating out the formulas, no matter how good you think you are. And all else fails Go with what we know, and that is the tables. They're very conservative, and they're going to protect the insulation and follow the rules, and everything's going to be okay. All right? All right, guys. Pretty good episode. Uh, Hopefully, you'll join us on Electrician Live on uh, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on Saturday evenings. We do it every week. Hopefully, you'll join us. Go over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Master the NEC. Listen to all of our videos and podcasts. Uh, Of course, you can listen to our podcast on electricianlive.com as well. Uh, And you also can listen on all your popular podcast stations, Deezer, iHeartRadio, iTunes, uh, Google Podcast, all those good other platforms. Spotify is what I listen on. So until next time, folks, stay safe. God bless. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.